Extreme Couture's own Eric Nixick. What's going on, Eric? Man, you've been having a a busy few months, and you got a busy couple months ahead of you. How's life right now? It's been great, man. I think you and I talked like right pre-quarantine, and you know that was our mindset was to stay working, to stay grinding, because when opportunity knocks, you'd be better ready to kick that door in. Yeah, you, when we spoke last, you were talking about how everything was pretty much a deserted island over there in Las Vegas, but now it's opened up. People are gambling. People are moving around, shaking. Uh, it must feel good for you, right? Yeah, it's good. And, it, you know, this is, a, this is a city that never sleeps, obviously, and there's, there's people that are working from, you know, the graveyard shifts to the early morning. It, it, it's constantly with the pulse on Vegas, and that's the movement of it. And, man, yeah, it's, it was, it's been quiet. But I, I take a lot of pride in knowing, like, once COVID hit, we, we got our team together and the guys that we knew that were right on the cusp of getting into the UFC, and we stayed grinding through the whole thing. Yeah, that's one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is fighters getting in on short notice and uh, and the importance of, I think, fighters should probably be in Las Vegas right now. Do you feel an influx of people coming in more than ever? Yeah, I, I think definitely with the PI, a lot of, a lot of people will come in and out and things of that sort, but... The guys right outside of the UFC, we've always been uh, a gym or, or a hot spot or of a city where people – it makes sense for people to move out here because we are that one-stop shop. You don't have to travel around the whole town to get what you need. Uh, so for the most part, man, I, I mean I think we, we get a lot, of, a lot of new heads coming throughout Vegas. So there's been a lot, of, a lot of people coming through. Has it been somewhat difficult to kind of manage because there's so many guys trying to come or, or, or already there? Actually, it has, and you know, I feel like I need to do a better job of that and kind of uh, clearing out some of the some of the guys that probably don't fit in the room. You know, you get a lot of those delusional guys that think that they're going to be the next GSP, and you know, the, the the reality of it is that they take up a lot of floor space. Some guys have a service in the gym, and those those B roll players, those guys actually help your team and help push your guys in the room. And then there's guys that just take up space. You know, they're not showing up on time and doing all the right things and fitting not fitting the standard. You got to go. <laughs> Those are the tough decisions you have to make as a, a coach and as the general manager, right? For sure. You know, it's, it's just holding a standard. You know, you're not going to date some girl that doesn't meet your standard. <laughs> and I'm not going to coach a fighter that doesn't meet our standards in the room. So, you know, the way I look at it is that's a that's another body that can roll up on somebody's ankle or or take somebody's knee out or do something stupid. And, you know, at the end of the day, I got to make sure that the, we're the cream of the crop and we got the best guys in the room at all times. No doubt. Um, there's a, a lot of fights coming up with guys that are or guys and girls coming out of your gym. But uh, before we get into all of that, I wanted to ask you about uh, Dan Bilzerian, man. Uh, what's the what's the <laughs> connection right there, man? He's a, he's a legend. Yeah, I've known Dan for a long time. He's been coming in uh, training with myself and Ray Sefo and Danny D1 Davis. And uh, I've known Dan for probably about six or seven years now. And he's just been a consistent friend of mine. Um, he lives around the corner all around dude just a solid guy and, and, and i like to call him my friend you know so he trains hard he works hard and uh he's he's a, he's a guy that I, I consider a good buddy does he got squabbles can he can he bang can he can he can he get down you think so yeah he can get after it he can get after it we got, <laughs> i gotta put him in his place every once in a while but that's my boy you know he can get after it <laughs> do you could, could you see him fighting somebody like is that in his mind do you think that could be possible I think so. And he, he's talked about it in the past. Like he's talked about trying to get a, like an amateur fight in or doing something in the meantime. But you know, right now he just likes to train and stay sharp and uh, likes the art, likes to grapple, likes to hit pads. Um, I was trying to get him to come in and do a little bit of sparring this week, but his schedule wasn't permitting, but uh, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, man. He's a solid dude. And, and uh, I always enjoy hanging out with him. Uh, 
at the gym, are you still kind of compartmentalizing and, and having training separate from everybody else? Or are you guys able to have practices right now running? I'm back to running practice. Mm-hmm. Um, once we hit phase two, uh, I, I brought the team back and we, we hit the, we hit the ground running, man. June, June 1st, we were right back to regular practices and man, I, I loved every minute of it. The room was packed. It was probably too many than it was supposed to be. And, but that was what, what I missed the most all during COVID was the camaraderie and the team and being around the, the fellows and the ladies and getting after it. So we needed that. All right. So the, the next fight, uh, the next card is uh, July 15th. I feel Danny Gay's the, the guy up, your guy. Um, now, this matchup that they're giving him, a main event slot, the first one for him, and he's, he's getting a matchup that uh, a lot of people feel he doesn't deserve. Explain to me why he deserves this spot. Well, I mean, the, the whole division's tied up right now. You know, you got you got um, Cater fighting Dan. You just had Emmett and Burgos, which is an absolute war. Looks like it's going to be Yair and um, uh, Zabit. You got Ortega and, and the Korean Zombie. I mean, everybody's tied up. So um, credit to Calvin. I mean, Calvin didn't have to take this fight. He could have sat one and maybe got a higher-ranked guy. But, you know, I know Calvin and I know his camp, and those guys are some solid dudes, man. They can scrap. Um, and they're, they're, they're about opportunity. And this opportunity came on his plate. At the, I think it's Calvin's second main event now, well-deserved. And he said, man, let's, this is all risk for Calvin. And, you know, uh, more credit to those guys, man. They're, 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 they're gamers. So that, that to me is a testament to the cater and the guy that we're fighting. Dan, he's getting back-to-back opportunities. He slid in against Barboza and, and, uh, and performed phenomenally against him. You know what I mean? A lot of people felt like he was the underdog. And, and, I, and, and when you really look at it on paper, it's, it's a pretty even matchup, right? When, when you saw Barbosa kind of salty about the decision, did you understand his side or were you like, it was clear Dan won that fight? I don't give a shit what he thought about the decision. It wasn't up to him or me or us. It was up to the, the three judges that found the way that they found the fight. And that's the fight game. We've all been a part of both sides of that. You know, he's a veteran. He should know better. Um, and what the way I look at it, Dan was winning all of round two. You know, he got he got shot to the stomach right towards the end of the round. And it's up to the judges on how they perceive that last little bit. Dan clearly won round three. Barboza clearly won round one. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, if you didn't know who Dan Ige was, you knew who the fuck he was after that, the kick and scrap, you know, and, and, and he gained a lot of respect. Whoever you felt won the decision, that's up to you. You can think of whatever you want about it. But it was up to three judges and two found it our way. So we're moving on to the next. All right, with uh, Calvin Cater, how do you see this matchup? Like, you know, what does Dan bring to the table that Calvin hasn't seen before? You know, I think a, a level of tenacity, you know, you watch the, the Cater and Burgos fight. I think that's going to be kind of similar of what you're going to get out of this fight here. Um, but, you know, I've always been impressed with, with uh, Calvin's boxing. Uh, I think more and more watching tape on him. He's, a, he's also a cardio machine. You've never seen this kid really fade. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be it needs to be a five round war. We're going to have to really get in there and, and mix up full MMA skill set. We're going to have to get after this guy's body. Like it's going to be a tough fight, man. It's not going to be like, hey, we're going to walk through anybody, not especially not at this level and, 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 and in this featherweight division. So when I when I look at Calvin, I look at a guy that we're really going to have to try to dig deep and, and get after him, and especially those rounds of four and five. There's a lot of talk about um, dark horses in the featherweight division, but. It seems like Dan is the the dark horse, right? Do you would you describe him as that? Oh, 100%. I think I think he's always been the guy that's been overlooked. Um, you know, he's not supposed to beat this fighter. He's not supposed to beat that fighter. You know, Mirsard Bektik fight was a fight for Mirsard to come back and and regain his notoriety in the featherweight division. We went and shut his shit down. 
you know? So it, it, it is what it is. And, and I like that role. I like the underdog role for Dan. Um, we need to just keep plugging away. When you actually look at this featherweight division in that top 10 from top to bottom, I really feel that any one of these guys can emerge as a champion here anytime soon. It wouldn't surprise me if any of these guys are champs. That's how good and deep this division is. But right now we're, we're still, we're just still picking away at it and we're staying in the back and just doing our job. And this is a big fight for us to step up and get the level of competition that we need. What adjustments do you make for Dan since this will be a five round fight, a main event fight? It needs to be, uh, we need to set a pace. You know, we can't go out there and just try to take the dude's head off in the first round and get after it and, and look to end it there because Calvin's never shown us any reason why he can't weather a storm. You know, you watch the fights that he's had against like Chris Fishgold or guys that came after him fast and he's made adjustments great on the fly. Even the Jeremy Stevens fight, Jeremy came out fast and got on him. And what did Calvin do? He took his time and stayed patient and found his openings and, and ultimately be, became successful in those fights. So, you know, we need to understand that we have five rounds to work. So just because you might win round one doesn't mean that he can't win two through five. So we have to stay patient. We have to take one round at a time and look to work this guy into deep rounds. A few days later after that, um, you got another main event. Back, Hey, you're busy, man. Back-to-back -back main events. That's crazy right busy. there. Yeah, Joe Benavidez. <laughs> yeah. Now, in this rematch, you know, you got Joe. You know, he's coming off that loss. Is there any mental coaching that you have to do with Joe? Or is he just a solid veteran and there's nothing to, on that side that you need to worry about? I think there's mental coaching no matter where you're at in the levels at where you're at in your career. And, um, you know, that thing, I think that's where my role comes in the most with Joe. It's just been more the mental side and just talking to him and um, watching a lot of tape and figuring out where he sees things. Uh, Joe is one of the, the best artistic fighters that I've ever seen. He's so creative. So Eddie, Coach Eddie has done a great job with Joe and as far as his striking and um, keeping him on basics but allowing him to create off the end of those basics. For me, I think uh, just really getting into his mental psyche and, and, and the mind games, um, putting him in bad positions, advantageous things that we need to build off of, watching the tape and seeing how we can exploit some of the things that we didn't in the first fight, um, and then go from there. But you're, you're absolutely right. Joe's a veteran of this sport, but – He's still he's still such a good a good veteran that he's always looking to critique and to get better. Do you see this fight, you know, going the distance? I, I feel like the second fight, this fight coming up, is going to be much different from the first one. I think so, and and that's something that we talked about in the game plan. You know, I don't I don't need to see Joe go out there and rush anything. Um, Joe can go out there and paint a picture and be an artist and show his full skill set. And really look to get after this guy, and it doesn't need to be in a rush. And I think that's some of the things that we talked about a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good point by you. You know, Joe, Joe can get out there and get this guy in the deep rounds, and it's going to benefit us. Yeah, I, if you watch his catalog, you know what I mean? Joe does kind of elevate as he goes, you know, into the deeper rounds, and, and that's where he looks the best. He looks phenomenal, and he kind of gets those finishes in, that, in, in those moments. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of like the key right there, right, for, for Joe. I agree. I agree. Staying patient and just realizing, like we said with the Dan Ige fight, is you have five rounds to work, you know, and I think a lot of times we build that on with three rounds going, if I lose one, now I have urgency to win round, round two and three. Well, if you lose one and you lose two, you're actually not – It is you still have three rounds to go to work. So it's it, you can't put a whole lot on high or low on, on a, on a one-round swing. 
So we need to be able to stay patient and pick our shots and, and really work this guy into deep rounds. You're heading over to Abu Dhabi for how are you going to stay for the whole week, basically? Or do you have to be quarantined when you get back? Is that what the protocol is? Well, I don't know about when I get back, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there pretty early. I'll probably leave on July 6th or 7th, I believe, with Dan. Um, I'm going to get out there with Dan and I'm going to stay, obviously, with Joe and, and be out there. So I, I think I'll be out there in duration for about two weeks. You've been tested a bunch of times already. And then this one, you have to be tested, what, five times or something like that, which is pretty insane. Yeah. Are you are you just over it by now? It's like, hey, I don't have it. Like, <laughs> I don't need to be tested no more. Whatever it takes for us to be active and, and to be able to put these cards on, they can test me as many times as they need. Um, you know, I get it. It's it's the hoop that we have to jump through. But, you know, I sent Dana a text after the Jacksonville cards just to tell him thank you for the opportunity. You know, he, he provided for my family um, by letting us by letting us compete. So, again, this is what we signed up to do. I have no problem traveling to anywhere we need to go or stick a swab in my nose or do whatever we got to do for us to be able to provide for our, for our family. So I'm all for it. No doubt. Now, um, Las Vegas, do you think that's like the perfect place to prepare for Abu Dhabi, desert to desert? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hot right now, and very rarely do I let to kick the air on in the gym, and dudes are dropping like flies because it's hot. But, uh, you know, I think for us is is really just going to be the difference in time. You know, I think we're going to be fighting at like 8 a.m. there, uh, and it'll be local time normal for us here in the States. So, um, time of when we're going to fight, I think will be the biggest difference rather than the, than the heat. The, the next major fight after that will probably be August 15th, uh, Stipe versus uh, DC three, right? UFC 252. Yeah. Francis, they're saying that he's going to be the backup. Do you like that position as, as the backup or is it just like, you know, let's just let Francis get the winner. No backups. Uh, I leave that up to him and his managers. If they tell me that we're going to be the backup, then I'm going to make sure that he's ready. Um, again, like that's to me, it's, it's kind of up to up to those guys on on those sort of negotiations. I would prefer to have us as the front runner. We have a full camp. We know when we're going to fight. We know who we're going to fight. Uh, at the end of the day, if they say that we're going to be the alternate and that opportunity arises, then I'll make sure Francis is ready for either one of those guys. And also, it's going to be in Vegas. Francis is in Vegas. Everything's in Vegas. So it's like he's going to be training already. It's it's almost like a perfect mix for him to step in. For sure. Absolutely. Now, with uh, with that matchup, the third fight, how do you see that fight going down? Oh, I mean, you could flip a coin on that one, to be honest with you. I, I actually I think I think D.C. only just because I, I know D.C. has been active and he's been training this entire time, whereas I know Stipe has been working and, and doing his firefighter job. Doesn't mean Stipe can't come out and 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 put on a show, but I, I just don't know where his where his heart might be in this whole situation, right? But uh, I I know DC's been training because I know DC came by here not too long ago and is working his ass off. So um, I'm gonna go with DC in that fight. With DC, he says that you know after this fight he will retire. What do you think about that? Is like you already know if he wins the belt, he's gonna retire. So it kind of puts like Francis and Stipe in a, in a weird position, right? Um, you know, I know, I know Francis is a competitor and at the end of the day, I think he would love to be able to compete against a guy like DC, uh, just because of his, his, I mean, he, if he wins this fight, I, I think he is the goat at, at the heavyweight division and not being able to test your skill set against a guy like DC, I know is going to bug him. But, um, 
you know, and you don't even know if, if Stipe wins, he might retire too. So mm-hmm. there might be this this empty empty mm-hmm. belt when uh, when either of these guys fight. We just we just don't know. And that's that's what I love about the fight game, man. Is you can't really prepare for anything. You got to prepare for everything. Yeah, definitely. Well, I I feel like if DC wins and he retires, there's always going to be the ghost of Francis lurking around. Like everybody's going to be like, you know, you you you, you duck Francis. You know, like that word will come out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he's <laughs> waiting in the wings, man. He's the boogeyman <laughs> under the bed right now. I'm telling you. Yeah. Even with <laughs> Stipe too, which is weird because Stipe did beat him. Stipe did beat him. Yep, he sure did, man. And I know that uh, that since then, that's that's actually been what Francis has really wanted to get back. And he's been putting that work in every day. And some of the things you and I talked about the last time I was on is, you know, we weren't sure when we were going to get that Jarzinho fight. But he said, man, I just want to work on everything right now because I don't know who might be next. And if it's Stipe, I want to be prepared. So that's, that's when I knew I was like, this guy's got it, man. Uh, I see, you know, that you... Uh, your son and 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 uh, Francis, man, they have this like relationship. It's like the smallest guy with the biggest guy. When you <laughs> yeah. see that, man, it must get to your heart, man. Like how they you guys built this uh, like camaraderie amongst you and him and your son. Yeah, he's my family, you know. And during mm-hmm. quarantine, he he was over every Sunday for dinner, and mm-hmm. um, I'm very proud of that relationship with uh, not only with my son but my daughters. Uh, my wife, like he, he, he exudes a, a, a extension of me. He's my brother. He's my family. Uh, I find that to be important in our relationship with, with all of my fighters is I want them to, to understand who I am as a, as a, not only as a human being, as a coach, but as a, as a father, uh, they have the, the, one of the cutest relationships you're ever going to see, man. I'll ask my son, like, Hey, who's your best friend? And it used to be me, but now it's always Francis, and, and I'm fine with that. I'll take a backseat to to Francis. So, um, yeah, and and my 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 daughter just made it on the A team for soccer, and the first mm-hmm. person she wanted to call was Francis because they work a lot together in soccer, and he plays, and you know he's just a big he's a big kid at heart, and it's great to see that other side of him because when he gets in the cage, he's a different freaking dude. When you see this guy yeah, knocking yeah. everybody out, but you know he's he, he's a he's got a big heart, man, and he's one of the best human beings you're ever gonna meet. The, I wanted to go back to the Jarzinho fight. You know, he went in there and just got the knockout just instantly. And a lot of people still had questions. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't really get to see much, but it's it's almost right. better that way, right? Because you don't really actually get to see how good he is because he's knocking everybody out so fast. So when he does go in there with somebody that's going to last a little bit longer, he could show his full skill set. You're absolutely right. And and it's been a, it's been a good problem to have. And I'll tell you what. I, I mean, I can tell you until I'm blue in the face. This guy's been working hard on his wrestling. This guy's been working hard on his ground game, and the people in the room they'll say they'll they'll back that up. You know, we had sparring sessions with guys, high level UFC guys, that Francis was blowing through double leg takedowns, and guys couldn't get up. He was beating the crap out of guys on the ground, and it's great. I hope people underestimate that because this dude really has been putting in the work. And you know, fortunate for us, we haven't really had a show. He's got in and knocked everybody out. And I'll take that too. But you know, at the end of the day, we we do have to work on those skills in the back of the back of the house and the back of the scenes. Another talking point about the apex, because most likely this fight will be there, is the smaller cage. Do you think it does have a, a major impact in in fights, especially heavyweights? Absolutely, absolutely. And and I think I, I benefit from that at Extreme Couture because I have two cages, and I have one as a twenty four foot cage, and I have a thirty foot cage. A lot of gyms don't even have one cage, but we set that up that way because we have a lot of guys fighting in smaller promotions and they need to understand distance in small cages. So um, 
since we've been fighting at the apex and we've been utilizing that small cage a lot more, it's helped our guys prepare and understand that when that bell rings, man, you're two steps in and you're right on a guy, you're two steps back and you're on the cage. So it's, it's helped a lot. Heavyweight division, there is no room to move around or run, man. You saw that last week in Blades and, and, and Volkov. It was, there was no room to go. Do you have uh, guys fighting on the Contender Series coming up in August and September, October? We did, and, and most of them got put in the UFC oh, in the last right. few weeks. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. Uh, Gustavo Lopez, uh, Justin James, uh, Julio or uh, uh, Julian Arosa was supposed to be probably back in there, and, and we got him back on for this week. So uh, there's there's quite a few guys that we have on that contender list that all all made the jump. Yeah, what about Justin James? I remember speaking to him after him fighting in super fight league in india you know what i mean like that's like sure did the, the farthest reaches of the of the world right there and uh for speaking to him then and watching him make his debut and get that knockout over a, a tough veteran it's it's insane it's incredible well it, it was it was the, the difference between two weeks i'll tell you man like he came in on that monday before he got the news and a guy that used to train here got a call and he didn't get the call and he felt he should he had a better resume he was kind of he was kind of moping around, man. He was kind of down on himself. And, you know, uh, our head coach, Dennis Davis, just told him, hey, man, like, you got to make sure all your stuff's done. Your medicals are done. You never know. You might get that call. And, and sure as shit, he did. And look at the difference of a week makes, you know. They could, you couldn't handwrite a better scenario for the kid. Yeah. He gets in. The guy misses weight. He gets that percentage. He wins the fight, knocks the guy out in 40 seconds, and then gets a $50,000 bonus. <laughs> you can't handwrite a better story for the kid. And, and it all happened for him. You know, and that was the that was the best thing that we talked about for all of these guys in the gym, man. We told them like, "Hey, stay ready, stay ready, so you don't have to get ready." When that phone rings, those guys expect you to be on weight, within shot, within distance. We told them even a little step further: go get your medicals done, do it on your own. So when the phone rings, you already say, "Look, all my stuff done, I'm ready to fight." And all my guys had their stuff done, and the phone rang, and the opportunity came. They got signed. Yeah, I think that's the best advice right there. You, I was going to ask you that. That was my next question. It's like, what advice could you give to guys that are living stateside? Is just get to Vegas. Get you know, there's a lot of gyms down there. Get in there somewhere, train, and and get your medicals and get everything ready because you never know what's going to happen. Justin James that, is proof. Proof, man. And the, and you know what? Opportunity knocks, and you got to be willing to kick that door down. And that's what these guys did. Every one of these guys during COVID, all the guys that got calls were in here every day where we had a strength and conditioning day at 11 a.m. All of these guys, Boston Salmon, Justin James, everybody ready to go because that phone might ring and you don't want to be sitting around with your freaking thumb in your, you know, thumb in your mouth, worrying and crying about whatever. These dudes, these dudes worked hard and they believed in the process. And, and then now look, man, the, the kid's $75,000 richer over the weekend. Yeah, because I remember when I talked to him, he was working at Extreme Couture, like a regular yeah, job, sure. and then training, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's been – he's one of our longest-lasting coaches that we have yeah. here. You know, he's been coaching here for almost, I think, eight, nine years now. So mm -hmm. he's been here forever, and, and he's he's one of the heart and soul guys at the gym, mm -hmm. one of the best teammates you're ever going to see. If somebody needed a round, that dude was helping him out. He was always that kind of backup singer, if you will, and then finally he was able to take the lead. Definitely, man. A, a beautiful story, man. I hope a lot of people, you know, tune into that and, and see what he does with his uh, UFC career. Eric, man, I appreciate the time, man, especially with all that's going on right now with your fighters and, you know, preparing and, 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 and giving me time because you even have a family. You have a bunch of kids, too. It's just uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm appreciative, man. Thank you so much. Bro, anytime, brother. Anytime for you. Uh, we'll make it happen. So I appreciate you having me on. <laughs>